It's a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this man world. Welcome to the show, especially to all of you out there who've got sick kids that have been doomed to stay home during the brand new wave of COVID that seems to be unbelievably weak, unbelievably weak. I won't tell you exactly who's sick with it, but let's just say people that you have probably heard on this very podcast may or may not have COVID uh, and their siblings and, and children may, may also have COVID. But um, once again, my kid's home from school. She's actually napping in the other room right now. So we'll see. Uh, you know, she may start howling and I'll have to get up and cut this short, but Hopefully not, but I just, I can't get over it, man. You know, it's like, once again, sending kids home, making them get tested. I know in New York City, they're forcing kids to get tested in school. You can't even bring in, you know, like a fake bottle of old lady piss and dip your COVID test in that. No, you got to get your boogers straight on that snot rag right in front of everybody. You got to jam that stick up your face in front of the witnesses. Otherwise, no school for you, which maybe is a blessing. More than a curse. But anyway, guys, welcome to Mean Age Daydream. Had an awesome weekend. I'm sure you heard me talk about before that Robbie the Fire Bernstein was here. Did an awesome event at my house, you know, right on my back patio. And uh, we got a good turnout. There's probably about 50 people there. And it, which in LA is a shockingly huge amount. I, I will assure you that much because getting people to drive anywhere in this city is like asking them to, uh, to get triple vaxxed. And you know how hard that is for us libertarians. So anyway... Fantastic event. It was great hanging out with Robbie and also Stephen, our uh, our non-scientist science guy who did a COVID presentation. I did about 15 minutes of stand-up. We'll see if Robbie uh, gives me that audio. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll play that. But you can hear the live podcast we did on Run Your Mouth. Some hilarious stuff. If you're a fan of racing semen, which we think is going to be the cutting edge, if you want to get it on the ground floor of our semen racing league, simply email semenracing at gmail.com and uh, we'll get you in. You know, you can buy in for as little as $1,000, guys, and get in on this. Paint your cum with racing stripes. We all know that makes them go faster. But awesome event. Make sure to check out Run Your Mouth and Robbie the Fire. Uh, I'll also be in the Reno convention uh, at the Libertarian Convention here. And I know Robbie and Dave are going to be doing a show there. I'm going to be at the uh, 11 o'clock. I think Robbie hooked you up with tickets for that. But come on out. Say hello. Make sure you show me you're subscribed to the feed to my feed, to the Lions Living Network feed. Otherwise, spit straight in your eyeballs. And as you know, my daughter's sick. Who knows? She might have COVID. If you're flying back somewhere, you got to get a test. Maybe you'll get COVID from me spitting right in your eye. So make sure if you're going to come up and say hi, you are subscribed to the podcast. Now, getting into it, guys, we do have a brand new old sponsor on the show, which is one you've heard about, which is IP Vanish. IP Vanish, of course, if you're sick of having people trace you around the internet, follow you every move, if you're tired of being exposed to hackers, of scammers, of just really anything that can track you, that can stop you from accessing content, well, IP Vanish is your solution. I swear by this. I've been using it. It's great because you can use it across all of your different devices. It's a simple... Boom, one button, it's on, you're protected. Not only that, but you're protected as far as where you are, right? Your IP protected, you can uh, be shielded from people knowing your physical country location, if you know what I'm saying. 
So what I want you to do is check out ipvanish.com forward slash lions, use promo code lions, and you, so you can get yourselves 70% off a year subscription to that. Get yourself protected. Make sure that you have your privacy, your family, your secret assets, and you know your browser history protected to make sure that you are safe and you feel secure. Let's get ipvanish.com forward slash lions, promo code lions, guys. Get on in there. Now, hopping into the show. Really interesting because this just dropped. I have not had a chance to watch the new special. I just saw some clips, but Ricky Gervais, who I love. Ricky Gervais? I always want to drop the S for some reason. But anyway, Ricky Gervais, one of my favorite comedians, the only decent host of any mainstream entertainment broadcast production of the past 20 years. I think other than, let's say, Norm MacDonald, who was unbelievably funny at the ESPYs ripping into these uh, these athletes, when uh, Joel McHale hosted, what did he host that he just... He bombed because the people just hated him so much because he was so funny. I can't remember if it was the Grammys or whatever Joel McHale hosted. And then Ricky Gervais hosting the uh, Golden Globe Awards, where, I mean, the last time he went up, it was scorched earth, ripping into these people as pedophiles, as hypocrites, as uh, race pucksters. I mean, he went completely scorched earth, leave nothing behind, you know, is it? Pour out the gasoline, light a cigarette, flick it behind you as you walk out of the room type of awesome. And, of course, has not been asked back. Now, the thing is, we've seen how much these Oscars, the Grammys, all these things, they've been losing so many audience members because of the woke nonsense. Not only like the pushing of woke bullshit, but also the films that are being created are not mainstream films that the public enjoys. Everything that wins is some sort of piece of commentary that the progressives that run the Academy, that vote in it, that are in this insular bubble of the entertainment business, they will push for because they want to pat themselves on the back. It's similar to when critics put pieces of shit like The Witch Right? If you ever saw that piece of garbage or any film from A24, I recently saw The Green Knight, a, a legend I know, right? It turns out it, it's a story of The Green Knight. He's basically this unkillable green, green uh, supernatural being, and he makes a deal with this guy. I won't give it away in case you want to see it, but it's an old story. It goes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years back to Arthurian legend. They made the most boring, terrible film out of it. I, unwatchably slow garbage. But of course, the critics, because it had slow panning shots and uh, and deep cello music, well, it must be fantastic. That kind of fart-sniffing idiocy is what has held these people back. And Ricky Gervais popped a nice hole in that when he did host these types of events. And people would tune in to see what he would say. So naturally, they had to get rid of that and go back to the garbage that people are tuning out for. So... Cut to present day. What do we have but a new comedy special on Netflix? Now, is it a coincidence that Ricky Gervais' new special comes out in which he has been accused of, quote-unquote, transphobic jokes? I'll come back to that. But one wonders, is it a coincidence that Netflix recently sends this thing out saying to all of their staff members, and I think about 150 people got either fired or quit after they sent out this cultural memo, saying, look, if you want to be wokesters, you could get T GTFO, right? Get out of here. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Or you can simply shut up and do your job. And then about a week and a half, two weeks later, we have this new special come out. Now, as I said, Ricky Gervais is being accused of transphobia, just as 
Dave Chappelle was. Now, this smacks of cowardice, right? Just as though if I was to say that anybody, like, like I said, we did a comedy show this weekend, me and Robbie the Fire, you know, and I had made fun of him on the podcast. He made fun of me on the podcast. Now, if I had gotten offended because somebody made fun of me and something that I had done, something factual in the world, and I said, well, that's Brian Phobic, and you can't, you can't talk about that. Well, you would go, that's absolutely imbecilic. I'm not going to follow your rule that you made up to protect yourself from any sort of criticism, any sort of cultural commentary or jokes. That's just absurd. You can't simply invent a force field around you by tagging on the phrase phobic, which is what happens. Similar to calling something racist. Anything, if you add phobia on the end, people now presume that, oh, it's a cultural no-no. I don't have to discuss it. Your opinion doesn't have to be concerned. It is a, these people view it as a get out of jail free card, right? to add phobic at the end of something. And typically it's applied when people don't want to discuss something because they can't defend it properly or they don't want to get into an argument about it because they know more often than not that they will lose that argument if you're simply talking facts and logic and statistics and, you know, whatever else, rather than emotion, rather than the victim. I am the victim. Somebody please give me a hug and tell this phobic to get out of here. Can we just drop the, the prefix, whatever it is? Can we just call people phobics all the time? Get out of here, you phobe. <laughs> I think I might start just yelling that at random people on the street. <laughs> hey, Phoebe Cates, fuck off. Uh, nobody probably, and probably nobody knows who Phoebe Cates is. Anywho, so they've attached this phobic, you know, to Ricky Gervais now. And Variety runs a headline saying, Ricky Gervais gets backlash for a new Netflix special because of transphobic jokes. Now, why would something that is a commentary on a prominent, some would say far too prominent, overarching narrative within our culture, international culture, but, you know, really predominantly here in the U.S. and the U.K., right? The two, the two leading, leading trans topic see how continents or countries. Well, it's here in the Americas and over in Europe, but more than anything in the UK. And I've argued how ridiculous it is that this seems to dominate every narrative and every news cycle when it's you know, about 0.001% of the population is trans, right? The, the, not, the odds of you encountering a trans person on the street are unbelievably low. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, you know, or I, I go up to San Francisco. Even in those communities, you might see one once every, I don't know, 90, 100 days. I mean, in San Francisco, more than here. Here in LA, I mean, maybe once a year, let's say I see a, a trans person. And this is a culture that's accepting and they're out, you know, all this other stuff. But to have it be culturally dominant like this way just shows you how the narrative is being pushed by certain factors, certain people, because it's divisive, because they know that it gets people's gander up. But that's why it's so completely ridiculous to label it as phobic if you decide you do want to make a comment on it. And it doesn't go along with the mainstream narrative, because this isn't solved science, just as climate change isn't solved science. You know, the science, and Bill Maher just did a, a great you know piece on this, and I'm sure he's being accused of transphobia too, talking about how we can't argue that trans is a purely biological trend when you have the rate of people identifying as trans doubling every 10 years, you know, now that but massive spikes, but only massive spikes. And as Bill Maher very cleverly said it, it's 
massive spikes in California, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. It's a massive spike in, you know, in certain blue, blue, blue cities. And in Ohio, you have almost nothing. And as Bill Maher said, either Ohio is stymieing, you know, is, uh, is crushing these trans people or California is creating them. It has to be, you know, it, we can't have to have something in between here. We can't just say it's biological if these things are clearly spiking or cratering, depending on the culture and values of the places where it's happening. It is a cultural contagion. And if you have a contagion like this, well, you have to be able to talk about it. And if it's everything anyone talks about, you have to be able to joke about it. But yet, it's being labeled as phobic. Transphobic to make a cultural commentary. And Gervais, you know, in his bit, at least, like, you know, the, the two minutes I heard, he was pointing out that it purely is absurd to talk about people and not mention and not acknowledge the fact that just because you put pronouns in your name that says her, she, her, doesn't mean that you are officially a biological woman when you still have a penis. And he makes that point over and over again. You have a penis. You can rape and have rape. We have instances of people that are in the penal system for rape, multiple times rape, because they're considered women. They get put in women's prisons, and then they have dicks, and they still are attracted to women, and they use those dicks. Explain to me how this makes any sense. But... You can't point that out because it's transphobic. Simply pointing out fact, simply pointing out statistics, simply pointing out anecdotes taken from real life circumstances is now transphobic. So we can't do that. And this is the get out of jail free, the phobia card that is being applied to anything. This stupid, uh, you know, phobic, what is it? Not, not a uh, pretext, something like what the phrase is like, just blanket on it. But applying that label as though it alters fundamentally what is being discussed is completely disingenuous. And yet you see this in the left that runs the media constantly. Like I said the variety headline and any number of other headlines. Labeling this as transphobic is ridiculous. It is absolutely insulting to free speech, insulting to what we should strive for when we look at commentary and in comedy. Nothing's off limits in comedy, period. And pointing out the absurdities, it's, I mean... The absurdities that Ricky Gervais is pointing out in how this is being handled are only trumped by the absurdities presented to us in people coming after the comedy itself for talking about it. So good job, Ricky Gervais. I look forward to seeing the full special. Maybe I'll do a breakdown of it after watching the full thing, but you never know. I don't know what's in it. It might not have enough in it to get in and do a full thing. But while we're talking about entertainment, well, I'm talking about entertainment. You're just listening. I don't know. Maybe you're talking to yourself in the car like a psychopath. I hope you are. I honestly do. I hope that I hope that people drive around listening to this show with the windows down, and I hope that they argue with me with the windows down to themselves, or even better with earbuds in, just walking around in the street, you know, pressing your ass up against a bus window or an elementary school, eh, whatever floats your boat. But uh, I do hope that you're talking to yourself and me at the same time. But another thing I was sitting in bed and uh, I was just kind of chilling out. I think my wife was doing yoga in the other room. You know, she's she's pregnant, so she's doing her yoga. And, uh, you know, it's a, her exercise. So I'm in the bed, and I'm chilling, and I'm watching uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is a movie I enjoy. I thought the, the port over was pretty good. I thought it was uh, a decent enough attempt. I thought the book by Douglas Adams is one of the best, most interesting, and from my perspective, has some of the most important 
content in it for a comedy. I always talk about how you have to have comedy in these contexts. You know, you have to have comedy to get through to people that will reject ideas outright. And especially when it comes to absurd comedy, this is where, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what I was talking to about this because I've done a few different pods, but one of the things that I worry about when it comes to political movements, and especially for some in the, in the freedom space, is a lack of a creative bent that's outside of the norm, right? I mean, memes are great, memes are good, but, you know, I talked about the kids in a hall on the last show and how the absurdity and the creativity and the just the absolute uh, insanity of some of that comedy really cuts through. And Douglas Adams does a fantastic job in combining satire with absurd comedy to make brilliant points because so much of the book is very dry absurdist humor you have you know a whale appearing out of nowhere and falling to the earth a bowl of petunias you know coming here just really absurd funny bits that keep people interacted it keeps your brain firing this is why leftist comedy fails this is why i was talking about every woke comedy show fails they're unwatchably unfunny because you know every punchline coming. The whole Trump era destroyed comedy because you knew every punchline before you were told. Having this absurd comedy, coming, having comedy that comes at you from left field, which is what I try to do with my comedy as well. And I'll, t- I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the jokes I told on stage is that uh, I'm an idea man. I've got an idea for a restaurant where you go in and uh, you know it's a, it's a restaurant where you can only order crepes that match the color of your pubic hair. And the name of the restaurant is, does the carpet match the crepes, right? There's the joke. Now, it's a really goofy joke. It's an absurd joke. But again, the punchline doesn't necessarily jump out until you hear it. And then it takes you a half second. You go, okay, that's really stupid, but it's really funny. Now, this type of comedy keeps your brain firing. It keeps your neurons active. It keeps you looking for the unexpected. And when you're looking for the unexpected, you can look for a different new solution. And so often what we do, we have people that are that are bought in this diet of the bowl. You know, I'm sold this bill of goods on a solution and I'm just going to double down and triple down and quadruple down on that solution. We need them to embrace radical new ideas and radical solutions and having radical absurd comedy can do that. Now, circling back to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you've read the book, if you've watched the movie, you'll see regular themes through it weaved into this absurd comedy. The Vogons are the bureaucratic master race that comes through. They operate without any creativity, with zero talent, which is rubbed in by reading Vogon poetry. You know, the, the least listenable poetry in the history of the world, it's tor- considered torture to listen to Vogon poetry, just like it should be considered torture to view any government building. You've seen them. They're hideous. They're disgusting. They're repulsive. And the Vogons in this have the same type of structures. Not only that, but it teaches the absolute inadequacy of bureaucracy. And the Catch-22s involved, where they'll destroy a CEO. An entire planet gets destroyed. Earth gets destroyed. I don't feel like I have to say spoiler alert because this book's been out for 40 years. But Earth gets destroyed because... They want to build an international or an interspace highway through it. And they tell them, well, you know, you should have had a complaint. If you wanted to have your planet survive and not be destroyed, well, you should have come to our planet uh, a hundred years ago. The plans have been on display. How would we know? Nobody told us that we were going to get blown up. Of course, we were supposed to go and file this form. Then going in the endless bureaucracy therein of checking forms. It points it out again and again. Not only that, but it also does a fantastic job of talking about independent thinking. 
They have a ship in there that operates on a uh, an improbability drive. And the improbability drive is that the least probable thing possible will happen. And that's what gets you from one place to the other, right? Basically banking on the fact that simply presuming that the most possible option is therefore a logical option, therefore the way you should take in itself is an absurd way to think. You need to be looking for the least probable outcome, or at least consider it as a way forward. So they've got this improbability drive, right? And it takes them eventually to the planet Vogon randomly. And as they're even going up to address Earth being destroyed, as they're going up to a, to get their uh, their friend freed, who naturally is taken away and, you know, and sentenced to death without any real recourse, they're walking down what appears to be an open field. And as they stop to have a thought, they get slapped in the face, right? And they go, what the, what the hell is that? It just hit me in the face. <laughs> and as they think about it, they get slapped again and again and again. And they realize that every time they try to think, these creatures, which inhabit this government world, come up and slap them in the face to try to crush that original thought. That thought that goes against what the government mandate is, or just any individual thought, which is what we're seeing today. Perhaps Douglas Adams saw this forthcoming in the future, knows that the government wants to crush freedom of speech, freedom of thought, your ability to interact. We see this with the misinformation board, which has been slapped down, but clearly is moving forward in some way, shape, or form behind the scenes. We see this with the operations working with different uh, social media companies to crush any independent narratives that might pop up. No apologies for those who got kicked off having violated their policies on COVID or whatever else it might have been that, of course, were proven correct that uh, all these people that were saying what the mainstream government narrative was wasn't working. We now have the tacit admission, by the way, that the mRNA vaccines have not done their job, that there is quite a bit of possibility that the mRNA vaccines have, in fact, caused all of the variants that we've seen. And yes, herd immunity, simply getting infected, letting it spread would have been the proper choice. But point being, a fantastic point in the Hitchhiker's Guide about how government wants you to be accepting of one and one rule only and not to question it, not to think for yourself and not to think at all for that matter. This is the efforts of public schooling. This is the efforts of collegiate schooling. This is the efforts of everything to keep you in that mold, in the slipstream, where if you try to go anywhere else out to the side, you get zapped and you get slapped and you get shoved back in. And God forbid you try to be a unique individual. This is why our embracing, our talking about individual rights, the ability to think for yourself, critical thinking, which is trying to be eradicated, critical thinking moving forward and encouraging people to come up with the most interesting solutions. I mean, I was in a uh, program called Odyssey of the Mind. Some of you might remember this. Back in, uh, I did it in elementary school and I did it again in high school, actually, for fun. But it was a contest, it was a creative contest where they give you a problem and your job is to come up with the most creative solution to it. We were very, very good at it, very fun. You know, you can see some of the dullard schools, but we had come up with some of these fascinating solutions to products or, or solutions to uh, to challenges. But these are the types of things that we should be pushing. The creative boundaries need to be pressed. And the people that should be pushing those boundaries aren't going to come from the left anymore. They're not going to come from the right because these people have a penchant for coming up with these ideas that they then immediately sell out, fit into a box, um, are more than happy to, to simply kowtow to the powers that be. We need true radicals. I mean, this is where Elon Musk, take it or leave it. You make it believe he might might buy Twitter. Maybe you think it was all just a benefit for him. Whatever it might be, 
He's a man that thinks outside the box. And I know from good sources that even the way he operates Tesla, even the way he operates SpaceX, does not follow what he is necessarily supposed to be doing, what the government mandates he's doing. He goes his own path to find the solutions for it. And you have to, uh, you have to admire that. Now, one other thing, too, going back to uh, to COVID and all this other shit, you know, because, you know, I want to talk a little bit more entertainment on the show, get a little bit away from just pure politics. 90 Day Fiance, guys. Have you watched it? Do you watch it? Well, 90 Day Fiance is a show in which you have uh, several different iterations. And we talked about it on the Boring Podcast. So make sure to check that out. B-O-H-R-I-N-G. It's the only one out there. The Boring Podcast with me, with Howie, with Rico, and with Odie. Uh, one of the shows we talk about is 90 Day Between Telling Horrible Stories, Making Horrible, Horrible Jokes uh, That Are Cruel to Everybody Involved. And talking about uh, Carla Devigny's, uh, you know, gold titties. But 90 Day Fiance, you got 90 days to wed. And most of these people have met online dating. And I was thinking, you know, it's 90 Day Fiance. It used to be this kind of outsider, an outlier, if you will, on how people would meet. Because, you know, internationally and, you know, you had a lot of like the loners and the losers. But now... Because of COVID, everybody's locked in their houses. Well, probably a hell of a lot more of these people are meeting, are coming out. I mean, are we going to have a 90-day fiancé surge everywhere? You know, now that the uh, the gates are open again and people can travel, are the K-1 visa people going to be overrun? Is this going to be the way in which we interact? Because they're already talking about monkeypox. Monkey vaccine. Monkey diseases are cool again, guys. Remember? <laughs> they're saying, oh, it's the best. They're saying... That the monkeypox uh, has spread, right? And, and the monkeypox has been around forever. It's not a new thing. It's like been from like the 70s. They found it. And, and we've got vaccines for it, which is, again, I don't even know why they're making such a big deal out of it. It's got about the same death rate as COVID of 1%. And actually, it's far, it's actually higher than COVID. But again, the transmissibility of it is far more difficult. They're saying it's literally, the theory is that it was transmitted from butt sex at some rave, some, you know, uh, some fetish rave party. This is the official narrative. I don't know if that's more or less believable than people eating bats at a wet market, you know, or somebody fucking, um, what do they call those? A uh, penguin, penguin, <laughs> not a penguin, a pangolin, right? That was the other theory. There's also, of course, the theory that this is once again coming out of a lab because there were labs in Wuhan that were experimenting with monkeypox. And you did have Bill Gates, having some board game put out with monkeypox vaccines spreading on May 22nd. As Jeffrey Tucker pointed out, and I want to talk about this in a second too, the uh, the conspiracy theory label that's being applied to all this. But it's just so funny. They're like, yeah, these, these diseases, this monkeypox came from monkeys originally. And uh, now don't forget, guys, that there was also a theory that aid come from somebody fucking a monkey back in, back in the day, uh, back in the jungles of Africa, fucking monkeys. These African monkey diseases, they just they just won't stop, guys. But, of course, I don't want to talk too much about them. That would be labeled as monkey-phobic, and we know that that's not okay. So, anyway, monkey-fucking diseases are cool again. And you've got all these assholes that are collected at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Of course, Jack uh, Psybic was arrested, then let go, detained and let go after these arrests was, uh, was taped by another journalist, but... It just it looked like he was chilling outside, having some beers, just at a picnic table. Cops come up and arrest him, you know, detain him. Not God knows what for, but clearly tipped off, 
Do they have a sheet? Do they have a facial recognition software that pings somewhere saying, hey, an enemy of the global elite, an an enemy of the new world order has appeared in Davos. Go get him. Go give him a go give him a little scare. You uh, you motherfuckers. So that was funny to see. You know, it's one of those things where tactically, guys, tactically, maybe have a little bit more sense than to go after one of the bigger people, one of the bigger media profiles on Twitter and in uh, the conservative slash liberty space and arrest him for simply being there and trying to document what you people are doing. But also coming out of the, uh, well, actually, no, I'm getting a little too far on. Let me do a quick commercial break, guys, because I, your buddy Brian, I'm going to be going to Freedom Fest. It looks like, tier, we will not be going to Portfest. Um, I got I, I have three hotel rooms. So if anyone needs a hotel room, then uh, let me know because I have three reserved for the Lions of Liberty. But because of just how unbelievably expensive, because we were waiting, you know, kind of waiting to plan, getting it recorded. Holy shit. I mean, I looked at a ticket price to fly, fly from LA to Boston, and then it's a three-hour drive, you know. <laughs> and God knows what the gas and the rentals for that is going to be. But $760 was the ticket for a round trip. And that's just not going to happen. So we will be skipping Porkfest, sadly. Uh, hopefully next year we can work something out. Maybe talk to Dennis about getting a, a formal uh, formal booth set up there. I was looking up to hang in with, uh, with the Kibbies, Matt and Terry at their complex. But uh, it's not to be. But the good news is I will be taking part in several panels. I might even be hosting, actually, and moderating a panel at Freedom Fest, which is coming up in July, which is awesome. So it's going to be at the Mirage in Las Vegas, the world's largest gathering of free minds. And I'm going to be there. I'm, I have to see. I'm not sure exactly what the panels are on yet. I'm going to find that out in the next week and I'll let you guys know. But going to have some awesome guests. Rand Paul, Ben Stein, John Cleese. I'm excited to see John Cleese. Uh, Rand Paul, I think I already said him. Spike Cohen, Justin Amash, Andrew Yang, which is interesting. I wonder if I can get him on the podcast, debate him. And by debate, I mean berate. <laughs> Hey, Yangalier, you suck, just like the movie The Langoliers. Larry Sharp, awesome. Zuby's going to be there, cool. Glenn Greenwald, Del Bigtree, Maj Torre. So anyway, a ton of more people are going to be there. And I know Matt Kibbe's going to be there as well, along with Terry, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. But check that out. And the good news is you can come to Freedom Fest. It's July 13th to 16th. You can use the code, which is... Oh, no, where the fuck is the code? I lost it. It's in the different part of the email. Okay. Lions 50. There you go. It took me a minute. Yes, you can code. You can use code. Go to freedomfest.com. You can use the promo code Lions50 to get you $50 off a full conference pass. So make sure to check that out, guys. I hope you come. Uh, being in Vegas and drinking in Vegas is a fantastic experience. It will easily trump being in Reno and drinking in Reno. That much I assure you. And also, I'm looking forward to getting in somewhere where I'm not just going to be preaching to the choir. Um, Freedom Fest is a collection of not only people that are libertarians, but also, of course, conservatives. Also, you know, if you got the Andrew Yangs of the world and then the Glenn Greenwalds that are also leftists, but looking for different topics related to freedom overall. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting that exposure, meeting people there, talking to people, and getting different, different interpretations. So, again, Lions 50 guys, meet me there and uh, come say hello. All right. Uh, next thing. So, we're talking about. Davos, right? We're talking about monkeypox. We're talking about mRNA vaccines. Now, there's a, a clip going around from the Pfizer CEO, and it's actually from a couple of years ago. I didn't realize this, but it's from like 2018, where they say they've already got the technology 
for pills. And notably, don't forget, Pfizer's already got COVID pills, which the U.S. ordered something like two fucking million of. Great. And I guarantee that pill doesn't do shit against the recent variant. Guaranteed. Doesn't do anything. Not only that, we've already ordered a million monkeypox vaccines. Oh, great. Cool. For something that, as I was mentioning, monkeypox, it's some, there's two variants. The one that's really spreading is one in a hundred people uh, might die. And I, I can promise you that one in a hundred is probably the same thing as anyway, uh, comorbidities. Also, let's not forget that these variants spreading are probably also not tested here in our current environment in America with the healthcare systems that are in place. So let's knock that down and say one in 200, one in 300, probably by the end of the day. But that's what they got to scare us about in a seamless pivot from COVID to Ukraine to monkeypox. And now, of course, we'll talk about this at the end of the show. And of course, Taiwan. Because let's not forget that we have to go to war with Taiwan militarily, which Joe Biden said and then walked back. But I get ahead of myself. So all these clowns are in Davos, right? The World Economic Forum, which famously had war gamed for, oh, the spread of COVID, of a COVID virus. And then look what happened. Oh, COVID virus. Look at that. Just spread all over the place. Thank God they had a plan in place to lock down the world, which they then put into place to the detriment of every human being that has ever uh, lived in the past let's say 100 years. But I couldn't help laughing at a Washington Post article. Remember, democracy dies in darkness. <laughs> How funny would it be if uh, uh, does it, democracy dies in darkness? What if there's just like uh, a porn star, like a, a big dick porn star named Democracy and he goes to fuck like, you know, some black chick or a black dude whose nickname is Darkness and he can't get it up. And he's just like shaking his head. He's like, democracy dies in darkness. <laughs> uh, that's obviously democracy phobic. So Washington Post is a story. Here's the headline. Global health talks clouded by conspiracy theories about pandemic treaty. Now, the pandemic treaty they're talking about is the problem because 104 member states are going to be voting on this pandemic treaty which is a potential agreement that could one day regulate how countries prepare for and respond to future pandemics. Now, this, of course, comes on the heels of all of these countries without a pandemic treaty basically operating in lockstep to deny the basic freedoms, the basic rights, the basic way to operate your fucking business, feed your children, travel to see your loved ones, go to funerals, go to the doctor, go to school and everything else. That was without a treaty. But the fucking Washington Post wants you to know that these are just conspiracy theories to be worried about this pandemic treaty. And really, it's just a bunch of nerds getting together to talk about medicine. I mean, come on, you guys. <laughs> Don't you live in reality? I mean, the Washington Post is, I, I know it's a CIA trash rag. I know it's a leftist, uh, you know, piece of garbage, but... Who still reads this and believes it after witnessing what we have gone through, after seeing the reality around us? I mean, I, I still can't believe there's people wearing masks this day. There's kids in L.A. wearing masks. You would have thought that people literally had seen bodies piling up in the streets, like from those fake videos from El Salvador or wherever it was. But, you know, again, not not from COVID. You would have thought that people would be able to count on on both hands how many people that they had lost. And really, the world kept going, except for the forced closures. We're seeing the effects and supply chain issues 
coming from the forced lockdowns. And now we're supposed to believe that this is just all all for fun, right? It's just, guys, we're just going to talk about medicine. It's a conspiracy theory to worry about the effects that this could have on your everyday life. Holy shit. I mean, holy shit. And this is not labeled as opinion, right? No, pure fact. And (laughs) he says, here's here's the first paragraph. Global health leaders gathered in Geneva on Sunday to discuss the pandemic are facing... Okay, global health leaders gathered in Geneva, Geneva on Sunday to discuss the pandemic are facing another viral problem. Get it? But boom A visceral, passionate online backlash that falsely accuses. This is not opinion, please. Opinion, please. This is not opinion piece. This is supposedly straight news. Falsely accuses the World Health Organization of conspiring to take power from national governments. Hmm. Falsely accuses. Well, but the World Health Organization did, in fact, take power from these governments because every government was complicit in simply turning over the keys to the castle in the decision-making process to the World Health Organization. If you recall, Dr. Fauci said, well, we're following the World Health Organization guidelines, right? The CDC, the the idiotic um, tramp that runs the CDC that naturally would not in any way acknowledge the failures of her administration, the failures of vaccines, uh, nor any of the efficacy rates that were brought up directly to her face and just repeated the phrase, get boosted, which now we know those don't work. We know the boosters don't do anything except cause more heart issues. But I digress. This is going to be labeled as as misinformation on YouTube, I'm sure. I should just play Ricky Gervais' whole special on the show, knowing it's going to get pulled down. But they literally said we are following WHO guidelines and recommendations. Every government, save Sweden, you know, maybe, I don't know, Finland, a couple other ones, followed WHO guidelines, which basically were in lockstep with China's completely barbaric lockdowns. So what about that was false? What about these accusations i.e., let's say not even accusations, reasonable conjectures about the tangible real-world effects of a pandemic treaty with the World Health Organization with 194 member states taking away the powers of government. And they don't mean taking away the powers of government. They mean taking away the power of the people that live in these countries because that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about essentially if there is a pandemic as determined by who? The who? So anything they want to fucking label as a major health issue, well, if they ratify this pandemic treaty, then all of us citizens, because of a few voting members in this scientific uh, fascist community, have decided that this is how we're going to do it as a global community, all of our individual freedoms get put to the side. States of emergencies everywhere lockdowns on where you can travel, when you can travel, uh, lockdowns on your business. As I said, all these different different things, supply chain issues all over the place. But remember, guys, it's conspiracy theory. False accusations. We really, and it, it is shocking, we really do live in two different complete fucking worlds right now. And, I, you know, I meant to stop cursing as much in this show. I gotta, stop it, Brian. 
I got to remember to stop cursing because not not because I really care about cursing. Well, I should stop cursing because, number one, I don't need to. I'm a very intellectual person. As you can tell, I have my pinky out when I drink my tea and uh, it's not something I need to do. I more do it for uh, for effect. But the algorithms out there definitely do uh, penalize you or penalize you, depending on your preference for cursing, as I do. But I just, I mean, the two different realities that we live in, where somebody can view this as a good idea after coming out of what we've come out of. But this, again, is why I think that my theory on using comedy and using absurdism of using different creative means to shatter the worldview of people, or at least sneak in the back door to lower the defenses and to get these people thinking about different possibilities that can spring out in a myriad of different ways. That's a way to break this shackled reality that people inhibit, right? Or inhabit. I think that we have to embrace this. We have to embrace this kind of, I don't know, British nanny shaking a baby way of, of reaching people because Facts and logic, as right as you can be, just don't work. They aren't getting it done. We've been doing it for decades and it's not doing anything. So we have to find different and more creative ways to, to share this information, to shatter the worldview. But anyway, I just couldn't get over how stupid that headline was. All right, to wrap it up, guys, to wrap it up, um, probably, you know, that's fine. Again, these shows might be a little less than an hour, especially when I'm uh, dealing with stuff, but. I'll try to do a little longer show um, next week before I go to the convention. And I got to, I still got to read. I got a Lou Perez on uh, soon. I need to read his book and I just haven't been able to get to it. So if I'll read that on the flight, have him on and talk the shit with him. But I just want to talk about this, this bullshit with Biden and Taiwan. And you will recall last episode, I had shared a nice quote unquote, you know, a special war game scenario, right, from Meet the Press. Uh, Meet the Press, which is supposed to be a journalistic entity and yet is running entire segments, entire dedicated episodes to propagandizing the American population on the prospect of going to war. Nay, not the prospect, the uh, de facto future of a war with China over what? Taiwan. This is as we have just seen that not only are we sending some $70 billion to Ukraine, right? <laughs> Which is going to, it's going to add up to $70 billion to Ukraine while we don't have baby formula on the shelves, while people are paying $7 at the pump for gas, while people are getting absolutely ass reamed and buying every single product on store shelves and, and probably a forthcoming shortage on goods coming over from China. $70 billion to Ukraine. And then you've got Pete Booty Judge coming in and saying now that we need to have a Marshall Plan for Ukraine. Pete Booty Judge, you know, the, the gay Democrat is now a pro-war, uh, pro-big spending on rebuilding Ukraine politician, and we need a Marshall Plan to get them back on their feet. So just to lay it out, not only are we engaged in a war that is unpopular with most Americans, don't believe all the stupid Ukrainian flags you see on Twitter profiles. 
This is an unpopular war with the vast majority of Americans. The vast majority of Americans don't want us to send troops there. The vast majority of Americans understand that this is not helpful to us. So we've got a war which is unpopular. It's only being pushed by the elites to distract and to give their buddies in the military industrial complex money, which is where most of the new $40 billion is going to towards the missile plants in the U.S. We've got the United States tempting a nuclear war with Russia over this and hasn't come to that point just yet, but you never know, right? So not only are we spending money that we don't have um, at the <laughs> detriment of United States citizens who also are getting fucked by the fact that oil prices are going up because of this, right? As are food shortages because we don't get the fertilizers and the ash and all this other stuff from Russia, which we import in mass quantities from them to help with our, our agriculture. But now we also get to pay to rebuild the Ukraine. So all the money we're sending over there to help pay for all this shit, which is, by the way, just prolonging this war that the Ukraine has no business being in. They should just have lost and it'd be done with. And then their cities and their countries wouldn't have been destroyed. I'm not saying it's right that Russia invades and bombs these people. But I'm saying at the end of the day, a shorter war is much better for Ukraine and the people that live in Ukraine or lived there that aren't dead. So. Now we get to go in and rebuild it. What could be better for the American population, right? What could be better, guys, than us going in and spending what? What do you think it's going to cost to rebuild Ukraine? A hundred billion? Two hundred billion? Let me guess. Are we going to send troops over to help them? Are we going to send the Army Corps of Marines over to help them? Uh, I'm sorry, the Army Engineering Corps to help them rebuild? I bet we do. I bet that'll put them right in danger. And that's if Ukraine doesn't fall. <laughs> I like how the U.S. is just presuming Ukraine is still going to win. Ukraine has no business winning. This $40 billion is just, it's an excuse to keep these people fighting until the last Ukrainian lies bleeding out on the battlefield. It is a, it is a, a war crime. Can we call it that? If you send a child molester money to create a pedophile van full of candy and restraints... Is it a crime to aid him? Maybe, maybe not. It's certainly a gray area. And I think that's where we are now. We're certainly in a gray area as far as war crimes perpetrated against the people of Ukraine. But naturally, Joe Biden is out there asked about China and Taiwan, the next big thing. And again, remember the meet the press war game was set in 2027. So right around the corner, guys. 2027, that's when they say uh, war with China is going to happen. So when asked, Joe Biden said that, well, should China attack Taiwan? Again, strategically unimportant to us. We've got our we've got our bases in the Philippines. So why do we need to have bases in Taiwan or anything in Taiwan at all? Um, it's not as though they're a massive trade partner. We have some shit from Taiwan, but it's not a huge country with a massive creation base for all of our supply chain needs. It's just a a fuck you base, just like Ukraine, just like you know, just like our just like NATO is to Russia. Taiwan is a fuck you to China. And we're expected to go to war with another nuclear nation? A, a full hot war over Taiwan? No. Goodbye, Taiwan. You know, again, I'm repeating myself from last episode, but Joe Biden's out there saying that we would operate, we would respond militaristically if they invaded Taiwan. Now, this was walked back because Joe Biden's a buffoon. He doesn't know what he's saying. But still, I have to think that that was more of a not even a Freudian slip, because we all know what we all knew that was what the response would be from these these monsters. Well, of course, we're going to go to war with them. 
What do they care about the American people? What do they care about what we want? What do we care about the American people's uh, ability to simply survive? Our urges to be left alone, to live peacefully? It doesn't matter to the elites. The elites just want to be able to make money. They want to play their war games. They want to distract you. And the big brother, the, the hate. We have to have the everyday hate. So there you have it. This is a little bit more of a negative episode, guys. I'll come back with something more positive next time. But regardless... I want you to make sure to subscribe to all of the Lions of Liberty feeds. Go to the Lions Liberty Network. You can get all three shows on there. Of course, Mark's show on Monday, John's show on Thursday, and me with Mean Age Daydream every Wednesday. And if you'd be so kind, give us a nice review. Five stars would be fantastic. And please go and review The Boring Podcast, our comedy show, as well as Mean Age Daydream solo feed. And uh, extra incentive, guys. If you join the Mean Age Daydream Solo Feed, I do put bonus content up there. You'll get some extra shows every couple of weeks out there as well. So please go subscribe to that. Give me a nice review on there as we try to grow this feed because I want to grow it beyond the Liberty population. We want to reach more people in more ways, talking about broader topics like Ricky Gervais, like Hitchcock's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm going to have some people on that have nothing to do with Liberty whatsoever. Going to be fun. All right, guys, that's it from me, Brian McWilliams from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.